right, and uh, welcome everybody to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast, where we talk about all things security, including configuration, troubleshooting, and hot issues seen by the Technical Assistance Center here at Cisco. Uh, today's going to be a bit of a different episode. Uh, in addition to just security, we're going to be talking about voice security. And with me, I have three of my voice guru buddies that uh, work with me here in RTP, North Carolina. Uh, first and foremost, well, may or may not be foremost, but at least first on our list here, we've got John Cassell. Um, John, what's uh, some of your specialties here in the, in the voice sector? So I work on the multi-services team here in Cisco TAC. We work in the collaborations infrastructure. Vo- okay. Anything, any voice feature that runs on an iOS platform is pretty much what we support. Okay. So uh, I've, I've heard the term multi-service uh, quite often, and it seems kind of like a big umbrella. And that's just really anything from the iOS side of the house? or Yes, it pretty much covers every, every voice feature that runs on an iOS platform. So that includes analog connections, TDM connections, um, carrier-associated signaling connections, and then, of course, your VoIP connections like MGCP, uh, SCCP services that run on the voice gateways, and then H323 and SIP. So So it sounds like a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. All right, all right. Uh, Next, in order of who's sitting here in front of me, is Mr. Justin Betts. Uh, Justin, how are you doing today? What's new? I'm I'm well. I'm good. Uh, Nothing too new. that sounds really exciting. No, uh, Justin and I uh, go way back. He used to actually be on the security team, one of our uh, firewall guru engineers. Actually, you were the voice guy to I replace was. the prior voice guy who was there, and I think that's kind of what planted the bug to get you onto the voice teams, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fun. And are you on the same team here as uh, as John? Yep, John and I are on the same team. We're both with multi-service voice. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, last but not least, we've got Tim Tesluk. Uh, how you doing today, Tim? Hey, doing good, Magnus. Uh, so again, similar to what I've asked the other folks, uh, is it? Are you also on the multi-service team, or do you have uh, other specializations? Nope, I've spent most of my tech career here working on Cisco Unity and Unity Connection voicemail, and and uh, more recently, other collaboration applications like Jabber Presence. Um, basically, anything that will hook into your PBX call manager phone system um, to create a you know. Uh, an applied experience for your uh, on top of your infrastructure. I, I like that phraseology, the applied experience. Oh, That's I, nice. I mean, you know, there's a, a couple of different folks that run uh, call manager alpha builds here in RTP that we kind of play around with, and there's a lot of really neat features that you can do, and it's cool how we're hooking that all together to give uh, customers that added edge. Well, uh, today, kind of just to bridge it back to security, we're talking about uh, security and voice concepts, concerns, common issues, and uh, and the like. I mean, voice is a very big topic. As a result, we've got this show, and security makes that all the more complex. So I know from the security space, we definitely have uh, a handful of issues that we run into, uh, especially since our firewalls have all these inspections. And I'm sure you guys see something similar. So what are some really common issues that tied back to voice and security that you guys have run into? Well, I guess it's all certificates. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest pain point is certificates. Um, with everybody moving to SIP and, you know, like skinny already over TLS, um, you see a lot of TLS, especially with, you know, the AnyConnect client on natively on the phones, you know, that uses certificates. So I think the top thing is certificates. A lot of issues are related to, you know, getting them in the right place, making sure everyone trusts everyone they're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, setting up all, all of the configuration associated with that. Now, you started to mention there uh, TLS and certificates and tunneling. Um, you know, let, let's actually step back just a little bit and look at just voice security concepts. I know there's a lot of different 
facets to voice. You've got control channels, you've got uh, data channels, RTP, SIP, skinning, all these different uh, types of signaling and data. What, do, what are we looking at when customers are trying to secure that? What do they really want? What is, what's, what's the point? So at a high level, when you're talking about security with voice, you can do one of two things. You can either secure the media channel, as in you can do secure RTP, or you can secure the signaling channel. And mm-hmm. that, of course, is either Skinny, SIP, H323, MJCP. Um, one of the biggest issues that we find is that customers say, hey, I want secure voice. Yeah. But aside from knowing they want secure voice, they don't know exactly what they need. So yeah, what, is, what does secure voice right. mean? What is secure yeah. voice? Does that mean that if I take a packet capture, I can't listen to the audio stream? Or does that mean that when I take a packet capture, I can't even tell that there is a voice call going on? Yeah. So that's that's a big challenge for us. That's At a high level, that's pretty much it. And, and how do you approach that with customers? I know we get configuration assistance cases uh, in the security space that are very vague, but how do you kind of ratchet that down to wh- how are we going to really approach securing your voice? How do you kind of fit the customer's bill? In, the, in my experience, it comes down to customer education. You have to really educate the customer and say, okay, well, secure voice doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about what exactly you need. What are you looking for? What's your business requirement? Yeah. So once we explain to them what you can do, give them some use cases as to securing the securing SIP signaling with TLS, for example. Um, once we go through a couple of cases like that, they usually can develop a, a, a business need that we can then translate into configuration and that kind of go from there. Okay. So you brought up uh, some examples there. You said SIP TLS. What are some common security designs that customers look to implement with their voice? So, yeah, there's a couple there are a couple approaches yeah. to that typically and uh, I think, you know, everyone has the, they all have their pros and cons, you know, cost, you know, associated with these things, you know, all, all kinds of typical network design types of solution issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, you know, it comes down to do you want to secure the signaling channel and the media channel independently, mm-hmm. or do you want to tunnel it all and then just secure the tunnel? Yeah. yeah. Those, those are the general two paradigms. So you're either encrypting stuff in a VPN, or you're doing uh, encrypting independently the signaling or and or the, uh, the media. So, Okay, and, and from um, a kind of a business need perspective, what, what's the benefit of securing it? You mentioned that I can't tell that a call's going on or not, but have you had customers actually run into problems where people are sniffing their traffic, and, and what are they looking to get out of that? I think it comes down to the, the business requirements of, well, the nature of the field of whatever business they're in, uh, like financial sectors and mm-hmm. things like that. They're, you know, they have a requirement handed down to them from IT directors, CTOs, CIOs, that they need to have confidence in the trust on their network. So, yeah. and they need to be able to support their mobile users, yeah. their remote uh, employees. So, uh, I'm sure a concept you touch upon in, in many of your your episodes are the, are the concepts of uh, authentication, confidentiality, uh, confidentiality, and identity. Yeah, most these definitely. Are, these are aspects that um, you don't want to neglect when you're uh, you enter the world of voice over IP. Yeah, because I guess you think about when we're talking about tunneling and certificates and everything where we're trying to achieve those different goals, it's about making sure that the data that I'm getting is legitimate, correct, and no one has looked at it. And the same applies to the words that somebody is going to be saying to somebody else. If I'm the CEO of a company and I'm planning to start a merger and I'm sitting at home at my Cisco phone and I'm calling up this other company and I'm talking about this merger, I don't want somebody to know backdoor secrets about the company as that sort of voice traffic flows through the network. So you brought up, uh, Justin, a few moments ago, um, 
you know, signaling encryption, the data encryption versus tunneling. What are some common uh, reasons to go one way or the other? Well, I think it largely depends on, you know, what your call processing engine is. You know, if you've got Call Manager or Call mm-hmm. Manager Express, if they can support that, you know, features and licenses and whatnot. Um, but also, also it comes down to the endpoint and also the path. So I think the big pivotal point is NAT, whether or not there's NAT in the path. Yeah, and, and the path is really where a lot of the firewall team comes into play. I mean, yeah. we're usually that hop in the path where you are doing NAT, and that becomes part of your challenge. So for NAT, why, why does that really matter in the scope of things here? Well, the phone, if, it, if the encrypted traffic goes through NAT, um, let's say like a skinny phone, for example, that's the common, the common uh, secure endpoint is a phone, it's just a Cisco IP phone. Um, you know, the firewall, if it's seeing the encrypted traffic, it can't perform inspection. So when the call manager and the phone are setting up a call, they're exchanging IP addresses to set up the media channels. Mm-hmm. The phone is putting its own IP address that it knows that it has from its DHCP, you know, on its port in these messages. And if the, that gets changed in the path, like the IP header does through a firewall, we also can't change it then in the payload because it's encrypted. So mm-hmm. the call manager will end up handing that, you know, internal or non-routable IP address over to the other call leg. You know, NAT in the path is 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 a potentially a problem for encryption. So having remote solutions, um, you know, through NAT across NAT, um, are generally different solutions than what you would do inside of your network. And 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 John, what are some of the ones that you see your customers come in with? You know, if we're looking at tunneling versus. So one of the common solutions that we have is something that's called phone VPN, where mm-hmm. uh, where an IP phone, and I think this may have been covered in another in a previous episode. We did, uh, and if I remember correctly, it's the uh, AnyConnect phone client. That's yeah, yep. that's one of the solutions. There's a couple of older solutions as well, but that's the solution where your remote IP phone is set up so that it can initiate and terminate a tunnel, a secure tunnel mm-hmm. on one of your firewalls, and then once that tunnel is established, then it can communicate with its call manager. So that's that's one of the big solution, and then the other is that. Uh, they don't use NAT at all. We see that a lot, too. Yeah. So to, to do that, would they then have to have, like, a public addressing scheme for their call managers or, or something to that nature? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. If you're not doing NAT. Um, well, when you're not doing NAT, it's usually – we see it a lot in, uh, in internal networks. When okay. customers like the – like DOD customers, for example, they mm-hmm. have a couple of remote sites that communicate over the Internet and yeah. can uh, – via an MPLS tunnel so they can route across and don't use NAT. Okay. Uh, so they'll set up a TLS connection so they have a secure SIP, uh, for example, a secure SIP tr- uh, trunk between them, and they can communicate when uh, nobody else can see their Essentially securing their WAN connections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and, and if I remember correctly, I think we did that uh, AnyConnect episode back in 2010, I want to say somewhere around episode 11. Uh, so for you intrepid listeners, scroll back through the time and uh, track that one down. I think it was a pretty good show. Kind of continuing on, so uh, you know, I see a lot of our customers, at least from a security standpoint, we've got NAT. That's the border firewall that's doing it. Um, so we brought up this concept of AnyConnect phone VPN. Uh, before that, what was uh, that feature called before we started doing it? ASA phone proxy. ASA phone proxy. And I, I specifically shot a look over <laughs> at Justin. He was the ASA phone proxy guru on our thing. team. That was his that was his baby and then phone VPN came around it's and everybody better. started moving to that. It's better anyway. Why is it better? Well, there are some challenges associated with um, how phone proxy was implemented. Uh, without getting too deep into it, you know, phone proxy, you know, secured one side between the phone 
and the firewall itself across the internet, it would secure all of that. So it would do TLS with the phone, it would terminate SRTP, but then on the inside it would do the unsecure versions of all that. So and SRTP is the secure RTP. The right, right. And those are two, you'd have two independent connections coming out from your firewall. You wouldn't have one. You wouldn't have a VPN tunnel. You'd see a port 2443, TCP port 2443, which mm-hmm. is, you know, skinny over TLS. And then you'd see once a call got set up, you'd see a UDP connection, you know, in that 16384 through 32768 port range. Yeah. So it's different, you know, completely different, completely different paradigm from uh, from tunneling. Um, the problems it had, though, uh, were largely with, like, design, where you'd have an adjacent gateway, mm-hmm. and we had to perform that funny NAT trick, outside NAT. Yep. And that, causes pro- that can cause some problems with, like, uh, HTTP services that have to get initiated outbound from call manager or something. I mean, it's just... It's just much more elegant to tunnel it all, to, yeah. be, to be quite honest. But for the, you know, the uh, the TNP phones, those Gen two phones, those seventy nine sixties and sixty ones and forties and forty ones, that's really the only remote solution. So yeah. there's still still a place for it. All right. So essentially, this AnyConnect VPN on the phone is the future of remote phone access. The remote phone at your house at a remote location, a different you know site. Uh, whatever your deployment strategy is. Uh, phone proxy is the old way. The new way is AnyConnect VPN phone. Now, from your experience in the past, what are some of the common configuration gotchas and requirements that customers really need to know before they say, oh, well, I've got a bunch of phones sitting here. I'm going to start sending them out to my house. I'm going to send them out to everybody's house, and, and that's the end of it. What do they need to know? Well, I think... Um Kind of working backwards from how the the feature works, it all it's all com- it all comes from the config file. So there's a couple things in the XML config file that are handed down from your your call manager Express or your call manager that really enable and configure the feature on the phone. Okay. So you know you start you start in call manager you know you set, or call manager Express where you're going to configure you know VPN profiles or VPN groups that are going to be pushed down to the phone. I think the key though is that the phones don't do a typical PKI lookup when they're when they're doing the TLS handshake with with the firewall or the uh, you know the iOS gateway with running as cell VPN, whatever the VPN head end yeah. is, which is a, essentially also a prerequisite. You need to have some yeah. SSL VPN termination endpoint and a license if it's an ASA. Yeah, but yeah, the difference is in the cert hash. I think that that cert hash is really what the phone is using to determine whether or not it's going to trust the certificate that comes from the VPN head end. Mm-hmm. So that, again, is just pushed down from your call control server, you know, your TFTP server or call manager, call manager express. So it all starts with with knowing, you know, what certificate you want to offer the Mm -hmm. phone in the VPN establishment and then, uh, you know, understanding how that lookup happens. If you can understand that and step through that process, um, troubleshooting the feature is probably going to be a lot more easier. So once you have configured your VPN head and your ASA, your iOS firewall, what have you, you then take that certificate that would be offered, you give it to call manager, it embeds that hash in the configuration that it's sending out? Yeah, it's actually a SHA-1 hash of the certificate's fingerprint. Okay. So uh, there's a good document on the support forums uh, written by Jason Burns that goes through this whole process. Uh, It's with respect to call manager, but the idea is the same. It applies to call manager express. It's just the way that you configure it is slightly different, but the lookup is exactly the same. 
So um, I've, I've heard of a couple of other features that play into this phone VPN concept, um, and I, I don't remember a, a lot about them. It's more the, the voice side and the VPN side. But there was something about you could take your desk phone home and plug it in, and it would still be able to talk back to the call manager. Like it knew where it was. It knew how to hook up or whether or not it had to do VPN. How does features like that work, or, or what are those features? So there's this feature that the IP phones have called Auto Network Detect. You enable it in Call Manager, and it gets written in the config file to the phone. When the phone attempts to register to Call Manager, what it does as a test is it attempts to ping the TFTP server mm-hmm. that is configured in, in under the phone's configuration file. If it can ping the TFTP server, then it assumes it's on a trusted network mm-hmm. and does not fire up the VPN client on the phone. Okay, so it does some initial configuration or initial communication attempts. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, and just very fail, basic. It yeah. literally tries to ping the TFTP server. <laughs> if it doesn't work, then that's it. And once again, that's all configured in Call Manager. The yeah. phone doesn't really make any of its own decisions. It, it is told by Call Manager what to do. Yeah. So that's just a feature. And then on the flip side, there's also another feature called uh, Trusted Network Detect that when, let's say you have the phone at home and it's got an any connected VPN tunnel up to your call manager, mm-hmm. then when you bring the phone back to the office, mm-hmm. the phone will do a similar type of test to... Uh, determine that it's on a trusted network mm-hmm. and register to the call manager without security. So Interesting. Interesting. transitioning both from non-secure, like non-VPN, to VPN and then backwards. So we talk about the, the phone's config file. Um, it sounds like one of the things that a customer would need to do is actually deploy the phone internal to their network first, right? I mean, you can't just, out of the box, throw it at a remote site and it's done. Don't you need to kind of have that config file already on there? Is there something? Yeah, absolutely true. You'd also want to get the firmware loads from yeah. the call manager when you're local. Doing it over uh, a WAN connection is generally pretty painful. But yeah, the idea is you have to start it uh, you know, inside of your network mm-hmm. uh, so it can grab the config file, You know, make sure it registers first non-securely without the feature, of course. Um, and then you can change the TFTP server to be an alternate TFTP server. Mm-hmm hard code it to be, you know, your publisher, your subscriber, whatever you whatever you have for your call manager group. And then at that point you can send it home. So most Soho routers don't provide IP phones an option, DHCP option 150 or 66. So it's important that unless you want to walk one of your end users through the phone menu that you go ahead and for, remember to code that in before you send it out. So it's one of those provision it locally before you send it out. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. And then the other danger zone in that is, you know, remember once it's remote, the phone is now going to be connecting to the call manager via the VPN connection. Mm-hmm. And the VPN connection relies upon being able to trust the certificates. So we have to remember the implications of changing the certificates. I think that's another common problem we have is is if that certificate changes, that, that the, the certificate that's going to be offered by the edge device for terminating any connect you know, like on the ASA or on the you know, iOS device, you know, it's pretty easy to do with one command, SSL encryption, SSL trust point, you can change that that certificate, um, then the phones won't register, um, and then there's really no way to get that back onto the phones, Yeah, because they can't connect to get an updated config file. You would update it on the call manager, but unless it's pulling a new config... It's dead in the water. Yeah, so you yeah. have to be very coordinated in your efforts and make sure you know if you're going to change certificates or you know or RMA your edge device things like that. Yeah, exactly. that's a that's a common issue we've seen with VPN problems, and uh, we do have an, that's actually covered in one of our prior episodes. You know, you definitely want to back up your private keys, make them exportable, uh, make them make them exportable if need be on iOS, and just ensure that you have the ability to uh, reproduce the exact same certificate should you have a hardware failure. 
Back more into the internals of the network, what are some common security situations that customers run into? You mentioned some DoD concerns earlier, John, about uh, you know ensuring you have a secure tunnel even within your network. What are some other standard security practices that customers need to look at inside their network just to be even more secure? So when a customer is looking to do secure phone registration when not over a VPN tunnel, they have to do a secure Let's talk about skinny phones, for example. You can do secure skinny registration with either call manager or with CME. And in both cases, the phone uses a combination of files, the the CTL file being the the most important. Uh, So there's a series of certificates that have to be set up on the gateway. Let's say take CME, for example. You have to have Mm -hmm. iOS CA uh, with uh, an ID and a CA certificate so that the CTL file is created properly for each phone, okay, and then that's loaded onto the phone, and the phone uses that to open up the secure connection with the call agent, so CME. So that that's different than what you were talking about earlier with the um, certificate hash, which is just the fingerprint. This is more, you need more information about the certificate in that CTL? Yeah, this builds up the phone's trust store. Okay. So this is more of a traditional PKI lookup. So when a phone is doing, you know, an IP phone, skinny phone, it does that over a TLS, it needs to know who to trust. And that's what that CTL file provides. And that's downloaded via TFTP before that skinny socket is opened for Mm -hmm. that signaling. So it knows, it should know beforehand who to trust. So you mentioned some securing of, you know, your control channel in order to build that up. Um, and, and these are primarily, would you say, the issues that you run into inside the network you know, where NAT isn't a concern? Oh, it's, uh, it's only an issue we run into inside the network. When you're talking about communication to remote phones, it's always going to be, in general, it's going to be always be over a tunnel. But when you're talking about securing your, your voice signal, your voice channel between endpoints that are within your network, you're always going to be talking secure RTP. And then if you want your signaling to be secure, it's going to depend on your VoIP protocol. So what are some of the methods for the different VoIP protocols uh, to do security? So you've got SIP, which is just a TLS handshake between two endpoints, and essentially that just encrypts the, the signaling. Okay. That, is, that does not imply that your voice media is secure. That just means that the SIP headers that are sent back and forth, which have your call ID information, the calling and called parties and stuff yeah. like that, uh, that's all encrypted. And then if you want to do secure RTP, that is not they don't always go hand in hand with secure signaling, right? So you can configure secure RTP, and then you have a hash, a clear text hash that's passed up through the signaling protocol headers. Okay, and that's how it identifies how to decrypt that uh, audio the, stream. Right, exactly. So with secure RTP, it's important to know that the the RTP header is not encrypted; it's just the payload. Yeah. So you can see that there's an RTP stream going across, but when you try to listen to that payload. It's going to be all static. You're going to hear just static because the payload is encrypted. The keys that are exchanged between the two endpoints are the encryption and decryption keys for each side mm-hmm. so that you know one side encrypts and the other side decrypts. And that exchange, is that done just like normal TLS or is that done in the control channel? So uh, if you're talking about... Of SRT- SIP or whatever. Right. If you're talking about SRTP, secure RTP over SIP, then the... That key, the secure RTP key, is exchanged in clear text in the SIP header. So in one of the SIP headers, you would probably want to also do SIP TLS just to then further encrypt that. Exactly. Uh-huh. So that's why this is why it's a big uh, customer education thing when somebody comes up to us and says we want secure voice. Okay, what does that actually mean? We can secure your media so that if you take a packet capture, you can't directly listen to 
what people are saying, like exchanging credit card numbers, exchanging mm-hmm. social security numbers. But if you can also do a pack capture, if you also capture the signaling with that pack capture, that's going to include the keys. Yeah. So if you had the right software, you could decrypt it. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And so SIP, you've got SIP TLS. What are some other common ones that people are going to be running in their environment? Secure voice with MGCP is very similar to SIP in how it's implemented. You have secure RTP where the secure keys, the keys for secure RTP are exchanged in plain text in the MGCP headers. Uh, so you can take a packet capture of an M- a secure MGCP call it set up, assuming the signaling is not secure. You can get the SRTP keys that are exchanged between the endpoints. So if you have the right software, you can decode the RTP payloads and listen to the headers. Not Obviously not a good thing if you're exchanging things like security num- social security numbers yeah. and, and credit cards and whatnot. So you can also secure the signaling with MGCP, and it's an IPsec communication, an IPsec tunnel, essentially, tunnel. at that point. It's an yeah. IPsec tunnel that you set up between the MGCP gateway and call manager, the call agent. So in that case, you'd have secure signaling that is encrypted signaling that is being exchanged from the MGCP gateway. And then because the SRTP keys are being exchanged in that signaling, your SRTP is then therefore more secure as well. So, so another situation where you want to have both of them secured. Otherwise, there's not much value in just securing only the RTP stream. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when customers say, hey, I want secure voice, it's like, okay, well, I can make it so that you can't just directly listen to the audio. But to really yeah. make it secure, you have to encrypt you gotta everything. you got to do both. you got to do, gotta both. do both. So um, I, one thing I, I don't think we've touched on here, uh, but I do have on the laptop in front of me here, is, is a soft phone client. Um, I know we've got the Cisco IP communicator. Um, now, Tim, it, we've been talking a lot about you know physical hard phones at remote locations and within the network. Do we have similar problems with soft phones? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think there's a lot of convenience, and instead of having to deal with all of the shipping back and forth or yeah. pre-provision your phones and you know when you have to replace them, that it creates additional overhead. So if you go to the way of a soft phone like IP communicator yeah. or Jabber in soft phone mode. Um, you can rely on your host machine's VPN, whatever flavor you choose, any hmm. connect or, okay. or whatever. Um, and what we see commonly come in uh, in terms of those cases is uh, one-way audio. Ooh, the no one-way way, audio. No-way audio. Yeah. Like, well, my phone registers and I can make the call, but the other end picks up and he can't hear me or I can't hear him. What's going on? You ever and wonder if the other end just doesn't want to hear you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> assuming they do, they, they can be very upset. But uh, the... Uh, and no, nine times out of ten, um, well, let's check your VPN configuration. Yeah. You know, why, you know, are you doing a split tunnel or mm-hmm. should you be if you're not? So I, I think you, you bring in a really pertinent topic to security and voices, the, the one-way or no-way audio. And that's something I know we ran into a lot with phone proxy, uh, the old uh, technology there. Um, but what do you guys see currently... In your you, Tim, you, you brought up the soft phone, and it's the client machine's VPN that's usually at fault there. Uh, what are some issues that you guys see for some of the other technologies? So one-way, no-way audio with over, let's say, SIP connections or with MGCP connections, H323 for that matter. You got to ask the question: Is RTP configured correctly? Okay. So if you have, if you let's say you have unsecure signaling but you've configured secure media, as in secure RTP, and you have one-way or no-way audio, then the first thing you have to check is whether or not the keys are being exchanged properly. Yeah. So that's step number one. Mm -hmm. 
And it's pretty easy to enable on uh, on our iOS devices, on our iOS platforms. It's usually just a handful of commands. A couple of debugs to troubleshoot. And- exactly. And when you take debugs on our routers, of course, you can see the SRTP keys, in yeah. most cases, in plain text on your screen. So you can just check that. You take debugs in, at uh, both endpoints, and you can see if the keys are being exchanged properly. Just so. to make sure they agree. Right. Because if we don't have the keys exchanged correctly, well, one of them's just getting junk, and likely that's your one-way audio situation. Right. All right. So, I mean, we've covered a lot of topics, but one thing uh, I always like to have on our shows is the if you could have every one of your customers know a couple of things before they even get started here, just to make sure they got their ducks in a row, what are some of the common tips or tricks or guidelines that you would bestow upon our listeners to help them with a more successful, secure voice implementation? Don't try to do it all at once. If you Even if you plan on going the full gambit, you know, secure signaling, uh, VPN for remote sites, secure media, take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Deploy your voice without any security. Make some calls. Make sure it can work. Make sure you have audio in both directions. Then maybe uh, easiest next step is to ins- encrypt your media if you if you so choose. Get the RCTP, uh, the SRTP working first. Then go a step further and make sure that you you can encrypt your signaling mm-hmm. and make that uh, you know make sure that negotiation and key exchange is all going smoothly. And I'm assuming you see a lot of customers where they've kind of taken that big, I'm going to do it all in one step. And then as tech engineers, we kind of have to say, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just make sure. Baby steps. We, yeah. yeah. It saves us from when you call in having to uh, deconstruct and rip out all of these changes you made first be able, and, you know, backtrack, basically. Like, mm-hmm. well, can you make a voice call at all without security? Good point. Good point. So once, uh, even before you get to the implementation part of deciding whether or not you're going to try to put everything all in one gambit or do what Tim said and do it a little bit at a time, you need to know exactly what type of secure voice you're implementing. Do you need to have secure media? Do you need to have secure signaling? Do you even know what those things mean? Uh, do you need to have phone VPN? Do you need to have secure remote users? Or can you just ha- give them a public address and let them register? It's extremely important to know, to have a, a, set, a specific design you want to implement before coming down this road because there are so many different ways that things can be implemented and get confusing. When you're putting together your requirements, have your voice guys and your network and your security guys all go out to lunch together. Good idea. Sit, sit down in a room like... We're doing here in this podcast, <laughs> and hash things out. What are your requirements? What are you ultimately trying to achieve? And those three points: authentic, authentication, um, fidelity, and you know identity. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Tim. Because <laughs> I think that that might be one of my biggest tips is uh, is knowing how the certificates are implemented on ASAs and iOS. Because it's not really intuitive. The whole idea of trust points and how they work and how you build a trust store. You know, and all those things like that, if you're not really familiar with those things and you're taking your first stab at it through trying to do secure voice, like as the ski instructor in South Park says, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> you're probably going to have a bad time. That is, uh, that's so, a definitely a good way to sum that, that part up. Yeah, definitely yeah. having somebody on hand that is familiar with you know, iOS and um, ASA, PKI and trust points, how to move certificates around, exporting, importing, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that is really going to be a huge help. And call manager as well. It's kind of more of a voice specialized. It's kind of a more of a voice specialized security feature. But knowing how certif- certificates work in, within call manager OS helps a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that carries over pretty easily if you're familiar with certificates and working with them in iOS. Um, how a call manager does it is just a bit different. You know, clicking around and uploading certificates isn't a trust point, but 
the concepts are still the same. They still call them like call manager trust, you know, and like VPN trust certificates. So it's pretty intuitive. Yeah, be mindful though, and when you're going down this road of uh, designing your security requirements, that future changes, like if you have to re-IP a subscriber in your call manager cluster, you're going to have to redo all those CTL clients, uh, those CTL lists, mm-hmm. and redistribute them, which that can be a pain in the neck for remote ones as well. Or if your certificates expire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch out for that. When uh, they expire. When. It's not an if. It's but a yeah, when. Common problems. Yeah. Uh, one, clocks. Validity dates of certificates. You know, sometimes you're doing self-signed certificates. You know, maybe you booted up an iOS box the first time and forgot to set the clock. Well, that certificate is going to be old, probably from 1970. Yeah. <laughs> it's good old epoch time. So, yeah, right. nobody's going to trust it. Um, Make sure your NTP clocks are all in sync. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Half of your network is synchronized to one, and that one's wrong. Uh-oh. <laughs> Very true. And another thing to watch out for in, uh, in Greenfield deployments is the host ID check. Um, you can configure it both you know, on Call Manager or in Call Manager Express, and it's that little check where uh, the VPN client has to match this, the, the subject name of the certificate that's offered. So the VPN client on the phone. On, on the, the phone. Kind of phone. Yeah. yeah, so you push that down in the config file like we were speaking about earlier. You put in that group URL that you configure on either you know, your ASA or your iOS head end. Uh, you push that down to the phone. Usually it's an IP address because you don't mm-hmm. want... Um, you don't want to have the phone rely on a DNS lookup to get you to your VPN concentrator. So if you put in just an IP address, if that if you want that host ID check to work, you have to make sure that, sure that the subject name of the certificate that's offered is just an IP address. So this is in addition to that cert hash that we talked about earlier. Yes, and it's another check. And typically people disable it because if you're also running, you know, a legitimate, you know, client-based SSL VPN, any connect solution and you have soft clients, people all over, you know, a large global company connecting, you typically have trusted third party certificates or something in. Yeah. And you know, you you would your certificate that's going to be offered isn't does not contain an IP address. So makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. It's easier just to turn it off. Another important thing to consider when you're designing your secure voice environment is that you all of our Cisco voice products can integrate with a, a pre existing PKI infrastructure. So if you have a PKI infrastructure that exists in your environment and let's say all of your computers have uh, VPN capabilities in and all the, and the, your Active Directory Forest provides certificates, you can pull those certificates out and provide them to your phones and to your gateways and to your call manager so that everything lines up as well. So that can take some confusion out if you make sure you use the same certificates everywhere. So use them if you got them for PKI yep. infrastructure. Absolutely. Great. On the flip side, if you don't have a PKI infrastructure, then there are... Uh, CA features in our products that can provide local CA. Features. I think I think if you're getting to the point of secure voice, you might want to have a PKI infrastructure already. What do you think? I would think so, but you'd be surprised. <laughs> this would be how the many, impetus to start. You'd be surprised how many customers want to implement secure voice, and they're this small shop that exists somewhere in the middle hmm. of nowhere. They don't have a large infrastructure, yeah. and they just need their stuff to be secure to adhere to some regulation that the PCI company, compliance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, th- so uh, iOS CA exists just for scenarios like that. When you don't have a PKI infrastructure but you need security, you can do it right there. So I remember there was one situation we ran into a lot with the old phone proxy setups, which was, you know, the customer would have the phone on the inside network and then they'd move it. Um, you know, they'd provisioned it originally there and they drag that out to their remote location and the phone tries to register, but the CTL file was preventing it from being 
successfully registered. Uh, the, the tunnel wouldn't come up or the SSL session wouldn't come up. What what causes that? Yeah, the old CTL file, old CTL file. It's um, If your cluster happens to have a CTL file, you know, if you're in mixed mode, the phone will pull one from the call manager cluster when you're you know, provisioning the phone before you send it out. So when you get it to the remote destination, um, you know, sometimes if the phone won't register, try clearing that old CTL file. Um, the difference with phone proxy was that the ASA provided its own independent, unique CTL file that was signed by a different set of keys than the original CTL file from call manager. So it was therefore rejected. Yeah, yeah. The phone will not, it's a security measure, you know, to prevent a man-in-the-middle attack. The yeah. phone won't just automatically trust a new CTL file if it's been signed by a different set of SAST keys. So there's like an authentic- authentication, you know, HMAC kind of signing that occurs and it's at the header it's in the header of that ctl file tricky tricky all right well i think we've uh, covered a handful of voice security topics and uh, troubleshooting and common issues and and i hope it was uh, of value to all of our listeners here um as always you can get all of our shows uh, online and on itunes we are a podcast after all and you can access the show notes for today's page which will include uh, some of the documents that uh, were brought up including the phone vpn document that uh, justin mentioned that was written by jason burns uh, by going to www.cisco.com slash go slash tax security podcast. And you can always reach us by email at securityshow at cisco.com. Thanks again.